Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. All right, well, I'm going to introduce these amazing gentlemen that are sitting here next to me. This is Tad Rowley. We get up for, give it up for Tad. Um, he is married and has five wonderful, amazing children. Um, and he, he sent me his bio, and he said he used to train elephants, and now he owns a business. So that's an interesting um, journey there. So started out in the circus, and now look at him. So awesome, wonderful. Um, and then this uh, person next to me, this is Steve Hogan. If you don't know Steve... Um, I, I don't know what to say. No, I'm kidding. My kids call him uh, Mr. Rochester. So basically, um, anything that needs to happen in this city, Steve makes happen. No, I'm, I'm, elab- I'm And I never sent you a bio either. No, right? you didn't. No, but I should Sorry. know enough. So uh, Steve and Joy have four beautiful girls. We love them so much. They are actually the pastors that were here before us that basically, I think it was your prayers commitment to this house. You prayed us in here, and um, they need a lot of credit because they prepared this place for what we're stepping into. They financially set up this house for the next season, committed their hearts, worked full-time jobs, and did not take a a full-time pay to pastor this church for many, many years. And so um, they're a huge part of the legacy of what God is doing here. Amen? Amen. All right. So I wanted to open up with a scripture, um, a scripture that we've been talking about, and I'm going to try to find it. So Isaiah 48, 17, it says, the Lord, your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, mm. who leads you by the way you should go. How many know that God is teaching us how to move up and forward together? The script, that word prophet means moving up and forward. And so he's teaching that to, for us together how to move up and forward. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for these awesome men of God who are going to um, talk with us this morning. And I just pray our hearts would be open to receive the word you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So to, today we're going to talk about moving forward in our finances together. And so um, I wanna, I'm just going to ask these guys some questions and let them answer. So the first question I want to ask is, you know, you hear a lot in the, in the church world about, you know, um, prosperity gospel not being what God wants for us, or, or you even hear people saying, well, you know, if you're not poor, you're not really living out what God has <laughs> called you to live. So what does it, what does God actually, does he actually want to bless us financially? Like we know he wants to bless our lives, but does he want to bless us financially? Um, and does that, and does that actually matter in part of the blessing of the Lord, like the financial part? And so Todd, I'm going to ask you to open up and answer that question. Thank you. Yep. Hello. Oh. You can probably hear me without it. 
Thank you, sound team. I'm on. <laughs> well, first I want to start out by saying uh, I want to thank Pastor Zach and Rochelle. It, it's truly an honor to be up here. Um, they have an ability to see with God's eyes and see giftings and talents in people. And not only just see it, but do something with it, kind of pull it out of them and put them in places of... Uh, Influence. So thank you very much. I'm truly honored and blessed to be here. It's a great question. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to just start out with just a quick prayer of just, uh, I just would like to say, Lord, just bind any spirits of poverty. Amen. Father, we just ask that you bind any spirits of fear here in this room. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let me just start out by saying God is so good all the time to everybody, yeah. okay? And that, that goes for the righteous and the unrighteous, right? He is just good. That's who his nature, as Pastor Zach said today, about love, and God is love. I mean, he'd be denying himself if he wasn't loving. And so part of who God is is he is a giver. You know, we, we know what the scripture says about John three sixteen. For God gave his son. And we are created in God's image. And as a result of being created in his image, we also are givers. Mm. Now the interesting thing about giving and the Bible is it's a blessing that God has for you. And it's a two-way street. So it's like when you give, you receive. Amen? And so... My journey or my walk with the Lord has been a very interesting one because I've been where I've had literally nothing, and I've been where I've had, you know, prosperity, if you will, or, you know, money in the bank, you know, if you want to put it that way. And so, you know, I got to a point where I was like, okay, does, does God really honor his word and who he says he is? Proverbs 10.22 says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Mm. And so it's kind of like if you see a rich person who's upset and angry, mm -hmm. that's probably not God's blessing or favor there. Right. Because he's saying he, he makes one rich, and you're not sorrow. There's no sadness with it. Mm. That's good. Oh, sorry. There's a quote by a rabbi, uh, his name is Daniel Lepin, and this is what he says, if we each take care of our own needs, then we don't need each other. Wow. And so I thought about that in reference to God's word and who he is. I mean, here we are, I'm, I'm out looking at everybody here. We're so interdependent on each other. I mean, we are a community, we are a family. If, if we see someone in need, what does the Bible say? Meet that need. Try and meet that need. It's because we're all in this together. You know, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us, right? And, and I think the moving forward in the finances and in this program and in the building of the church, I mean, you know, honestly, God doesn't need our money, right? But he, he, what, he, what he wants is he wants to bring something out of us. That's good. Amen? Amen. There's something in us that he wants to bring forward, and I truly believe, and I'll hit on this a little later, it's, it's really not about the money. God, you know, it's about our heart. It's about where we're at with him. Amen. 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 That's right. yeah. That's right. Good. 
Steve, why don't you go ahead? No, that's good. Those are great points. Um, you know, I think of the verse in Third John where it says, um, you know, John is you know talking to the church. Behold, I pray that in all respects you may prosper. Mm. Right, in all respects, every area of your life, you know, is to be have a prosperity feel. And I know we don't Amen. like the prosperity gospel, and I know there's been abuses there. But I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that, you know, every area of our life, health, the finances, everything, you know, coming under the goodness of God. Um, and I think that's important. And it says, and be in good health as your soul prospers. Mm -hmm. So that our soul prospers. Your soul can't prosper if you're bogged down in financial debt, right? right. Or if you're struggling to pay your, your weekly bills. And, you know, God wants us to prosper in every way. Uh, I, think, I think back to my, my own personal journey. When I graduated college, um, I remember, you know, I went to Roberts Wesleyan for business, came out, um, it was a great, great college, all that was fine, but I came out with about a vision about that big, uh, you know, for, for finances and stuff. And I remember my goal at that point was, hey, we're getting married, we were working hard in college, you know, doing all this stuff, and um, my goal was to get a good job and just save for retirement. Like, that was my goal, that was my vision. Uh, the Lord quickly corrected that, um, and shifted it and totally, you know, just called us to a, a far and larger life uh, that had vision that involved giving and involved sowing. And, and early on, we've been married 22 years, Joy and I. Um, I remember early in our marriage, we said, we're going to start to tithe. We're going to start to sow. We're going to start to give. Um, and I look back on those years, and I, I know this is true. We, people don't even understand it. But I think our first year of marriage, we made like $12,000. Combined, We were working like multiple jobs, going to school. I've had people challenge it, and I'm like, I don't know how we lived. But we did, and I, I remember numbers. And I remember that's how much we made 22 years ago. So, um, but we were giving, we were sowing, we were, you know, stepping out there. Um, and God was meeting needs. And I don't remember having lack. I mean, I still don't even know how that's possible. Um, but, but it was true. It, but it's part of the journey. It's part of the giving. You know, the, at first we start off sacrificially giving, and then it becomes we give because it's our nature. Good. Yeah, we, we give because we're, it's what Christ does. We don't have to think about it. Oh, I'm going to sacrifice here. I'm going to sacrifice there. It, it is part of our nature in, in Christ. I love that. It's a Amen. part of who we are. Like it, it turns into a sac it, from yeah. a sacrifice to who we are. I love that. So what you guys are saying um, doesn't really fit into like the current culture. How many of you guys would say, well, yeah, that's not really like what is the message of our current, you know, secular world. It's not give, it's hoard. <laughs> I, I remember very clearly a little over a year ago when you could not find toilet paper on the shelf. And I guarantee you there are still people with toilet paper in their basements. And I'm thinking, like, there's seven people in my house. Can I please have some toilet paper? I did not hoard it. So, but that's the current culture. But there's, there's this upside-down kingdom that we live in, and it is the kingdom of heaven. And so why don't you guys touch on... Just how does giving fit into that current culture um, and how it is maybe like we are supposed to live in a counterculture? 
Yeah, exactly. When we were talking about it as a team, we'd say, how does giving fit into the current culture? And the answer is, it doesn't. Um, we're supposed to be a counterculture, right? If you're out there and you're here today, you're supposed to look different than the world. Um, and it's just the reality. Uh, in Deuteronomy, remember, the Israelites are told, you're to be the head and not the tail. People should be following you. You should be setting the lead. Right, you know, the right. other nations are looking to you to see how it's done. Yeah. So we are a counterculture. Um, I did see this uh, on social media yesterday, and I wanted to read this yeah. little meme. Yeah. Um, you know, I actually posted it to my stories. That sounded very millennial, it did. didn't it? That was very, very cool. Yeah. So, uh, but this thing called flex culture, you know, I have kids that are young, so they keep me up on some of this stuff, or I wouldn't have any idea, you know, any of this stuff. But flex culture is killing us. I thought the title of that, okay? Flex culture means you're flexing, you're showing what you have over somebody else. Okay, that's like the young generation of saying you're cool. Um, so flex culture is killing us. It said this. It says, we live in a world in which status is defined by wearing logos, driving sports cars, listening, using AirPods, and being able to afford the latest, quote, sneaker drop. This flex culture is keeping the middle class living paycheck to paycheck. So let's start celebrating those who invest, who give, who save money, who have simple clothes, and who provide for their family. So now, and I'm not saying shift into a poverty spirit, but there is something about the culture and the pressure that can keep us bound in debt. So um, and I, so I think we need to shift as a culture there in order to kind of you know, go to the next level, but also go from GoFundMe to iFundYou. Wow. You know, we love to have a GoFundMe culture. You know, we oh, need wow. to be an iFundYou culture. So um, and part of that is when you talk about counterculture, tithes and offerings, that is counterculture. Is. Uh, people right. are like, you give what to your church? And I'm like, hey, no, I partner. I sow in the kingdom of God. He said to get, you know, pour out your tithes and offerings and see if I will not bless and pour out a, you know, a right. blessing from heaven. So it is called culture countercultural. Uh, counter so is living below our means yeah. is also countercultural. And it's almost a lost art, mm. right? In our day and age, it's like we want stuff that our past generations waited decades to mm. get. We want it right out of college. Right. You know, so, um, so there is a whole bunch of aspects to kingdom living, to stewardship, stewarding what we have, that is totally countercultural, um, and as we learn to steward, we're going to be entrusted with more. So, so good, so good. Mm. Why don't you share? Amen. That's a great word. You, you know, you read through the Bible and you see God does all these wonderful things. You know, and you get to a point while you're reading, you're like, God, would you do that for me? Mm. You know, are you really who you say you are? Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm saved. I have salvation, but what about my money? You know, what about this principle of sowing and reaping? You know, God's wisdom is perfect. His word is beautiful. I mean, there's not a flaw in it. And so he has this principle of sowing and reaping, which absolutely makes no sense in the natural. Um, but that's how God works, right? He says the wisdom of man is, is foolish to him. He could care less how we do things, because most of the time it doesn't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But his way is perfect. So he says, hey, if you give, then you'll receive. Oh, well, okay, that makes perfect sense, God. I'm going to give, and then I'm going to, wait a minute, I'm already giving. How am I going to, if I give it, how am I going to get it? doesn't make any sense. But if you're a farmer, you know, let me throw some, you know, agricultural t terms in here, if you will, 
And in, in the Bible, we see Jesus, you know, talks about farming, and he talks about sowing and reaping. Uh, it's kind of like, I don't know if anybody here has, you know, like a garden or not, but, you know, unless you plant that seed, unless you sow that seed, you're not going to get anything, right? I mean, that's just, that's just how it works. And the same principle, you know, this is a principle that, you know, is perfect. It wor- Listen. It works, people. Okay? I am actually sitting up here, and I just want to share with you, I've tried this, and it works. If you've tried it, and it didn't work, then you didn't try it. Okay? Okay? I'm just being real with you. Because God doesn't lie, he is perfect. You know, if you're in a position where you're like, well, you know, I I tried that tithing. I just didn't get anything. Then it wasn't done right because he guarantees by his word. You know, the interesting thing about sowing and reaping is this, and I didn't know this. I was kind of doing some research. But you always reap more than you sow. I mean, how does that work? It makes absolutely zero sense. So if I sow 10 bucks... You know, and we're talking, you know, sowing and reaping in, in the amount, you know, money. I'm not going to get 10 bucks back. You know, because God says, you know what? You sowed and you will reap even more than you've sowed. Do you, do you believe me? Amen. I mean, this stuff works. Yeah. Okay. It works. And I just want to encourage you, you know, you know, I felt like the Lord was saying to me, he said, Ted, listen, this isn't about the money. Okay. You know, this is about other things in their lives that you could get breakthrough in. And and maybe there's something God wants to work on you and work on me. And I'm still kind of going through this process of giving and giving and giving. But, you know, there's freedom. There's peace. These things are are tied to some degree to our heart relationship with the Lord and how we offer unto him. You know what I mean? You know, just, just, I just heard a testimony last week of um, someone was praying, and they were like, okay, Lord, what do I give? You know, I, I got two amounts in my head, okay? I'm going to give, you know, one amount was higher, okay, <laughs> and the other amount was lower. And they're like, okay, well, what do I give? Mm. And so you're at this point with the Lord, and, you, and, you know, you're like, okay, is it, you know, it's kind of like, would the devil ever ask you to pray for someone? No, he would never ask. You know, and it's kind of like, I have two amounts. You know, would the devil want me to give the higher amount? No. He doesn't want you to give the higher amount. You know, it's like, okay, so this particular person was like, okay, well, I'm going to give the higher amount. And just believe the Lord, amen? Unless you step out and do this, it's not going to work for you. Okay, you, you got to do it. You got to go forward. And so this person gave the higher amount. Within a half an hour, someone came up to that person and said, Hey, the Lord spoke to me. I'm supposed to give you this money. Wow. Boom. Wow. Just like that. Wow. Okay, but you know, here's the deal. Would, that, would, the, would the Lord have spoke to the person to give the money if perhaps that person didn't settle on the higher amount? Does God work that way? Mm. Well, in this example, he did. Yeah. And so I just want to just encourage you. It's good. The Lord is for you. It's good. So good. I love that. Like, 
It's always like in the heart of God to bless his people. And I think that's what we're building on is like this idea that God wants us to prosper. Mm. Amen. I think the, the lie is that, um, and we've twisted even almost, I think sometimes the gospel where we make it so much just about me mm. prospering, but that is what the current culture tells us. And if God is counterculture, then he wants you to prosper. Why? So that you can be a blessing. Mm. That's right. That's right. And so um, I love this scripture. Uh, oh, sorry. I just was going to take your phone. Sorry. Um, so it's in second, I don't know, I know I'm just springing this on my team back there, but I'm going to read from Second Corinthians in the New Living Translation, um, chapter 9, verses 6 through 13, really quick. And so, um, sorry, I know I'm springing that on you guys. But Second Corinthians um, chapter 9, it says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. So, really quick, I just want to say this, anyone that says, well, you know, Jesus preached just having a little bit. This is New Testament. This is New Covenant, theology, and scripture, okay? So this is what God is saying for us right now, amen? Amen, amen. Remember this, the farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. You cannot give freely or generously to the poor if you are in lack and cannot feed your kids. See, there is a blessing that God wants for you so that you can be generous. It is so that you can be other-centered and That's giving right. and, right. and abundance. See, we have, a, we have to get rid of a lack mentality right. in our own lives and in the lives of our church and in the lives of our city because if we are in lack, we cannot be a blessing. Right. And God has That's called right. us to be That's a blessing right. to the nations. Right. Being a blessing to the nations makes it so you have to have something in your hand to give. <laughs> You have to be able to take care of your kids, your family, their kids. So, okay, let me continue. Stop preaching and taking other people's time. Okay. For God is the one who provides. Here's, this is, this is the key. God provides the seed. Amen, amen. God provides the seed. God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat it. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. I'm going to say that again, and I want you to believe it for your own life. Because if you don't believe it, then it cannot happen in your life. But if you believe it, God will give the increase. God is the one who provides the seed. He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Mm. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Mm, So two good things will result result from the ministry of giving. There is a ministry of giving. That's right. There is a ministry of giving. We love ministry in the church. We love prophetic ministry. We love worship ministry. We love preaching ministry. 
Some of us love children's ministry, more of us should, but there's a ministry of giving in the church, (laughs) and it is a powerful ministry, and this is what results out of ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem, sorry, will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. He, as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. What's the result? of a giving ministry, the needs of the people are met. A building is built. Increase happens. God brings the increase. More people get saved, healed, and delivered. More people encounter the love of God. More people experience revival. More people hear the good news. And number two, a city will be saved. Amen. Okay, and number two, sorry, my phone. And number two, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. So what happens with the ministry of giving? One, we reach our city. Two, our city gives glory to God. Isn't that a good answer? It's a good answer. So with that, I want to close with this question. Now that we understand that it is a responsibility on our part to be generous, it is a ministry of heaven for us, what are some of the mindsets that have kept us from walking in generosity, abundance, and favor? Todd, why don't you share maybe personally from your own testimony about what that looks like, changing of the mindsets? God has been so good to me in my life. Um, you know, I wasn't always, you know, walking with the Lord. And, you know, it's a long story, but let me just share with you. I, I have lived homeless on the streets of Miami, okay? That, oh, God, it's good. He's faithful, amen? Amen. And, you know, I'm, I'm married, beautiful wife, five wonderful kids. Ugh, man, he does this to me. <laughs> oh, thank you, Father. I attribute where I am today, you know, uh, it's a great business, you know, generating over a million dollars in in sales. Um, And I think about where I was living on them them streets, you know, sleeping with homeless people, you know, and and God grabbed a hold of me. Never let me go. So I just want to share it with you. You know, he wants the same thing for you. Amen. Okay. It's not about me. It's, it's about all of us. He wants all of us to live in freedom. He wants all of us to be prosperous. Amen. Yeah, that's right. And, and so, you know, I'm just asking you, you know, there's a verse I'm going to share in a second, you know, from Second Corinthians 9, 7. But here's the deal. It's kind of like taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Yeah. Unless you taste Unless you take that action of tasting the Lord, you'll never know how good he is. It's the same principle in being generous. It's the same principle in prosperity. 
you have to take that action of sowing that seed. Okay, you have to take that action of sowing that seed, and God will bless. The, the verse I want to end with for me is 2 Corinthians 9, 7. This is out of the Passion Translation. It says, let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Come on. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving. All because God loves hilarious generosity. So good. Amen. So I, I'm, I'm reading that because I want to you to know how important this is. I'm not twisting anybody's hands here. I'm not saying you have to give. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if you give, God will meet you and bless you. Oh, that is good. I think of two mindsets that keep us, you know, from experiencing abundance or prosperity. One is that the belief that money is bad. And Tad hit on this briefly, too, and so did Rochelle. But uh, there is a fundamental thing that a lot of us carry, and I think, you know, the church may have perpetuated over decades, is that, you know, money is bad. Even talking about it today, right? Some of us, you know, sit like, you know, we're uncomfortable, right? We're talking about money in church. Yeah. Um, but the reality is we have to get over that because if we, if we think that money's bad, we cut ourselves off from access to it. It's like if you don't believe in something, you know, you won't receive the blessing from it. And Tad read, you know, that the blessing of the Lord brings wealth and he adds no trouble or sorrow to it. We want that blessing, right? I, I am not ashamed to say that. Like, I want that for my kids. I want it for my family, for my church family. So money is a tool. We just need to learn how to steward it. It's not good or bad. It, it's a it can be a great blessing. So the other thing I think is the mindset that keeps us from experiencing prosperity is short-term thinking. Um, we often think short-term. And this manifests in our way we spend our money. We become slaves sometimes to material things, even in our society. Um, but long-term, generous people demonstrate long-term kingdom thinking. That's right. And that's where we want to be right. as a church family. And actually, us being in here today is the result of many in this room and who have gone before us demonstrating long-term kingdom thinking. Now it's our turn to Amen. demonstrate long-term generational Amen. kingdom thinking. Amen. You see, those people, they see the fruit of their giving many years into the future. They sacrifice now for what they're going after. That's right. That's and we're right. going after something. Um, and this is personal to me. Uh, like, Tats has a story. I have a story. You all have a story. Uh, I was saved here at four years old in kindergarten. Um, my grandma attended this church. Many of you remember her, Josephine de Cristofaro. And uh, she sowed into this place. And she was very, very generous. And she prayed us right into the ministry. Um, and, uh, and she would sit right up front in the times of worship, you know, and everyone would complain, oh, the music's too loud. And she's the oldest one in the church and could not get close enough to the front. You know? I mean, she wanted to experience the presence of Jesus. You know, like she had lived 60 years of her life without knowing God. And let me tell you, the last 37, she went after it. And a lot of it in this place. And my parents sowed into this place. And they haven't been able to come for my dad's health reasons um, over the last year plus. But um, my joy's parents, it was, dad was on staff here in this church. So we're the fruit of that. We're the fruit of long-term generational thinking. Um, and, and now it's our turn to do that. And I want my kids 
experiencing God's presence in a place with like a thousand people um, and their kids when it's the right time. I'm not brushing that. So, but I think of it like cathedral thinking. We talk about it in business, like thinking long term, you know, generationally, right? Um, sitting in some of the cathedrals over in Europe and you sit there and you're like, you can experience God anywhere, right? Even in like an old cathedral. Um, and this, these things took 200 years to build, you know, and you'd be working on it to never see the fruit of what you were going to be building. But they had long-term thinking. So we get to get this up in a year. <laughs> I mean, that's a big difference. Like, the stuff's progressed, you know. So um, so I love that. So that's my encouragement to us. And I love, you know, what uh, Pastor Rochelle and Tad have shared. Um, but let's go after it. This is our turn. Um, and we are building something for people who aren't even there or That's aren't right. even here right now, um, you know, who are going to be added to your families, your grandkids, your neighbors. Um, how much is that worth? We can give up some short-term stuff to go after, you know, some long-term things. So, so good. You know, a few weeks ago, um, Zach preached a message about moving forward in faith, and he talked about how God changed Abraham's name. It was Abram which means excellent father. And he changed his name from excellent father to father of many nations. And sometimes we live for these temporal things. I just want to be good at this or have enough for this. Or, and God's like, can you think higher? Come a little higher and see how I see. Come a little higher and see peripheral. See, see bigger. Like Stephen Tatter sharing, like, you might feel like you're homeless in Miami, but God has a million-dollar business for you to step into. You might feel like an old woman on the front row who's going after something she's not going to see in her lifetime, but there is a generational blessing that God is bringing to what she's sowing into. See, we don't know the seeds that we're sowing, what it's going to look like. So I ask you, join your faith with ours. Join your heart with ours as we see what God wants to do in and through our church, our lives, our family, our legacy. Amen? Before I close and dismiss you, I just want to communicate some numbers to you. We're doing our very best as a team um, to get you the clearest, most concise, we're doing our due diligence um, with contractors and, and different people that we have, um, we have been uh, using and, and, and using their knowledge. And so um, we're, we're coming together with some, some really good numbers for you. So if you could put that slide up. And as we close, I just want to leave this with you. So an estimated cost to finish everything is about 3.1 to 3.4 million dollars. Um, that's not crazy. It seats 800 people. It's not a house, okay? Um, we are expecting an um, a estimated loan, um, 2.1 to 2.4. We have been able to save. This is not all of our savings, but we call it our war chest. As a church, the last, I would say, maybe four or five years, been able to put aside a good chunk of finances that are going straight towards the building. It's about $200,000. It's not all of our savings, but it's a, it's a good chunk of it. And um, we're expected to get about $350,000 for the land sale. That, with the money that we raise, um, the funds that we need, obviously $750 is, is more than what we need, but we're estimating that 
about 40% of that 750 comes in within the first 12 months, and then we can use some of the funds to pay a note down or um, get things we might need for our children's ministry that we're not expecting, whatever God needs. And so this is what we're asking you to partner with us. This is what we need. This is why we need it. But God is doing something powerful. So I just encourage you to join your hearts with ours as we move forward together. We move forward in faith. We move forward financially. We move forward as a family to see God do what he has always wanted to do in this church. See, God doesn't change his mind. It's in his heart. Some of you have been at this in this church for 40 years. Some of you guys were like, well, I'm, I got to do what I have to do for my family, and you've come back. Some of you are new. Some of you came with us all the way from Las Vegas or from Texas because you said, whatever God is doing, I'm going to get behind it. Amen, amen. I don't know about you, but that takes faith. It's a little bit of pressure, but it also takes faith for people to say, well, you're going to Vegas. You believe God, you're going to Rochester from Vegas. You believe God's going to do something. I'm going to move my entire family, sell my home because I believe in what you're doing because I believe in the promises of God for a community in Rochester, New York because what God said a long time ago he will complete it the promises of God are yes and amen which means they will come to pass not just for me but for you not just for our church but for your family not just for our city but for our nation so we believe the word of the Lord We believe what he said, and we step into the promises of God, a season of suddenlies for our lives, a season of suddenlies for our church community. And I say, please, walk with us, run with us, go with us. I need you. You need me. We're in it together. Will you lift your hands with me as we close? Thank you for letting us take a little bit of time. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I pray as their hands are lifted, they would understand how important they are to this community, how important they are to us personally. And I pray that our hearts would just be united in this, God, as we run, as we go, and as we step in to what you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name, can you say amen? Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.